All right. I think it was over a year or so ago, I was trying to, I was searching for a word to describe kind of a calmness in the middle of chaos. And I still have yet to found, find an English word in our language, like the eye of the hurricane or something like that. But <clears throat> I had heard lotus in a sea of fire, I think it's about been about a year now. And I realized it was a book that Ty had written. It was one of the written while he was before exile and describes <clears throat> oh, the politics and the and the theology and kind of a, a lot of stuff that was really going on behind the whole everything with the Vietnam War and all the the sufferings that were involved with that. So I thought it was applicable to this kind of parallels our times now and it's just something I found in the practice that <clears throat> somewhat of a refuge that it's also, it's not just a refuge of shying away, but it's, it's just, it's, it's quite active too. And, 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 um, and just reaching out mindfully. So I'm going to read from my notes here. A Lotus in a Sea of Fire is the title of a book written by Thich Nhat Hanh in 1967 that described the politics and sufferings during the time of the Vietnam War, the sufferings from turmoil and the polarizing distorted assertions parallel to our current times. My intention is to offer a means to a soft calmness of the heart, to open space for clarity amidst chaos, vagueness, and insecurity while not responding with an escalated emotion or vengeance. This talk entertains the second and ninth trainings. Um, aware of the suffering is the phrase that usually begins our precepts and this is where our focus can go as an active refuge from the chaos surrounding and within. Paraphrasing the second training, aware of the suffering of fanaticism and intolerance of self-righteous duality, I'm determined to avoid being narrow-minded and open to views cultivated under different circumstances. And the ninth training suggests where the suffering caused by misinformation, half-truths, false claims, I am determined to speak truthfully and to listen to what is being said and not said. <clears throat> the world felt like it was burning then, just as it feels like it is burning now. It was burning before then and has been all along. Everything seems to be upside down. Each outrageous event is outdone by the next. The fire is portrayed as out there, the enemy that threatens our way. Mutual happiness, security, love, peace, and inclusiveness are more likely, more than likely the essence of what we all value as needs and desires. Our values and core beliefs are shaped by our cultural environment our ancestors, our parents, and our teachers. 
The means of carrying or achieving these values may be quite contrasting under different conditions or cultural experiences where each of us carries a unique perspective. These deeply etched values and beliefs, conditioned or collective, are what we have learned in our life experience. And to go against these is to defy the ancestors and teachers that have shaped them. Still, there is a tendency to hear what we want to hear, flock to those who agree and dismiss the rest. And this mentality is black and white, my way or the wrong way. There's no point in discussion. No one is listening and both are speaking from heightened emotion. An uncompromising stance with no room for opinion otherwise, offering no dialogue is a loss for everyone. <clears throat> The headlines are broadcasted with irritating tones of anger, blame, and demonization. Nationalism and patriotism are examples of strong emotions baiting a bandwagon of blind devotion by stirring the coals of fear and greed, aimed, aimed at the simple target to polarize one's justified goodness versus the evil of the other. To be on the winning team or else a victim is nothing new. The provoked hatred is just othering, is just the othering of something different. The message delivered being the loudest and angriest one wins. What isn't so obvious is that this invokes a collective behavior of similar patterns of conduct into our interactions with each other. In the nature of Non-attachment to views, I'm reminded to avoid taking a stance is my way being the remedy one should follow. That I am not a contender nor trying to influence you when I want to share these views. Loving speech says, I care enough <clears throat> to express myself while respecting you as you are in this moment. I am listening to you as much as I'm speaking a mutual respect that opens the way to deeper conversations. We can mindfully hold on to our values without succumbing to a negative response or becoming the oppressor by recognizing when we are provoked by external factors. Most of the big social injustices, climate change, poverty, violence, and war are caused by greed or desperation struggle for resources, all these big stories of suffering in the world right now aren't actually out there in the world, but part of our very own lives. They're examples of our own personal struggles. They live inside of us as our own fears, desperations, and hopes. We may think of peace as the, the absence of war, that if the great powers would reduce their weapons, we would have peace. But if we look deeply at the weapons, we will see our own minds, our own prejudices, fears, and ignorance. Even if we transport all the bombs to the moon, the roots of war are still here in our hearts and minds. And sooner or later, we will make new ones. To work for peace is to uproot war from ourselves and from our hearts. 
start a war and give the opportunity for others to practice killing is to plant many seeds of war, anger, and frustration. Looking deeply at my own anger, the person that is my enemy is also deeply suffering. As I see this, I have the capacity of accepting compassion for them. Loving your enemy is no longer your enemy. Once the notion of enemy vanishes, the notion of someone suffering takes a, suffering a great deal can have our compassion. <clears throat> we all make mistakes. Ours have made others suffer and others have made us suffer. You who have wronged me in the past, I now understand it's because you were suffering and I did not see that clearly. You did not see that clearly and I no longer feel anger toward you. This kind of forgiveness is the fruit of awareness. With mindfulness, I can see the conditions and causes that made the other suffer. When I see this, forgiveness and release arise naturally. Forgiveness can't be forced. It's achieved by understanding and compassion. In order to touch that seed of compassion in us, we touch their true nature that is not separate from our own nature. <clears throat> a lotus in a sea of fire. The sea is the boundless interconnection we share. The joys and sorrows of every single being are the joys and sorrows of every other being. Our neighbor's safety is our own safety. Realizing our interdependence is vital. A strong, compassionate community gives stability and security to each member. Being mindful of our own qualities and limitations, both skillful and unskillful, and those of others is beneficial for each of us. If our needs are met and passions are reachable, we can blossom beyond our personal potential as a community. A realization of inner being, that we are interconnected, negates the concept of us and them. The many different waves are all parts of the sea, but it is nearly impossible to do so when the mind is unsettled and flooded with misconceptions and even untruths. The mind is not calm enough to concentrate on understanding. The defensive mind is focused on self-preservation. However, both sides need to be willing and open to considering the other without blatant dismissal or just listening. <clears throat> the fire burning is dukkha, the inability to be content. To fully know our capacity for not being able to be fully in our lives, nor content with how things are. Wanting something you can't get or getting something you can't want or don't want, or wanting something you can't get, then getting it. Then what do you do with your wanting? The fire can be as simple as self-centeredness, not having gratitude, not appreciation, appreciating what you do have and all the components that make it. I need to ask myself, what is burning inside my stubborn, insolent view? The selected truth I cling to, that my way of thinking is the obvious right and moral way. 
The lotus is calm, mindful clarity. Avalokiteshvara, the bodhisattva of understanding, hears the cries of all beings and is depicted as sitting perched on a lotus, bobbing on a sea of tears. When on fire, the restless mind can't take in anything. Clarity is muddled. The fire is in here and subjective. Our practice is to quiet the mind, cooling out internally. Cultivate a mind that is not busy with the irritations and confusion that don't fit into our social sphere or view of what that sphere is. <clears throat> Once settled, look honestly and deeply Put aside passion and justice and invite clarity and skillful grace. Mindfulness isn't just becoming mindfully absorbed and slowly cutting tomatoes, but to recognize and neutralize the self-centeredness and really transform the self to appreciate the ingredients of our life and what we have, to cultivate a generous spirit that connects us to our commonality so that we can live lives that are creative and are based on our loving actions. Mindfulness begins with the anchor of concentration, clearly paying attention to how this body subjectively filters the world we sense with an objective awareness to the story of our self-construct clings to where subjectivity meets objectivity is fleeting. Honestly, look at where we are clinging, what is triggering discontent. If I'm aware of the story the mind creates, I can observe it and its effect on my mental process. Then I can listen deeply without applying my version. The inner silence or quieting of the mind we aim for mindful meditation opens a neutral space to observe the sensations in the body, the rhythms, the feelings that can be thought of as comfortable or uncomfortable. I am feeling that. I am feeling. I am that feeling or sense impression for this moment. But that emotion is just passing through. Invite it and allow it to move on. Mindfully looking at emotion as just that, an emotion, and not necessarily mine, affords a sense of unattachment while letting it neither engulf me nor let it go ignored. So I will breathe into this moment and just observe, observe the sensations felt in the body, heartbeat, the tone of inner dialogue, tightness in chest, and heightened emotion. I find the most obvious sensations like heartbeat and anger are part of the story I add. The more subtle sensations seem to explore root causes. Differentiating these, these offers credible confidence in the insights that appear aware of the illusion of an admitted bias, leading to an insight influenced by confirmed bias. 
An intuition that is not fabricated. Like Avalokiteshvara, <clears throat> I will listen, poised on a lotus, sitting on the salty waters of a rough ocean containing all the tears, recognizing how vital equanimity is to harmony, how leaning to one side, hearing only the tears of one, upsets the balance of the lotus bobbing on the sea of fire. <clears throat> 